0: Welcome to a Celebrate Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church family here in Yankton. Our episode today is from our brand new series to start 2020 called The New Year, A New You. You know, throughout this series, we'll be looking at what God has in store for you, for our church family, and for our community throughout 2020. We hope you enjoy. You got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, um, let us know, and we'd like to get you one. Or uh, also, you can download the free app. It's called YouVersion. It's available on any smartphone. You can even download it right now if you want to. If you're a guest, again, just, just welcome. We're glad that you're here with us today. We're going to be wrapping up our series, and in kind of a way, this is going to be kind of a start of our, our new campaign that Lisa was talking about earlier called Dream On, and if you've missed this, I would encourage you to go to our website, You You also go to our YouTube channel. Uh, also, we have it available on podcast now, iTunes and Spotify. We've got a lot of great feedback on those. Thank you so much for doing that as well. Many of you know that uh, I plan these messages out quite a well in advance. I have all of 2020 actually already planned out. Um, I believe that you need to be prepared when you preach God's word, and so that's why my commitment to you is I don't wake up Saturday morning and think, what am I going to talk about tomorrow? Um, I think it's a little more important than that as well. But I share that with you because um, when you do that and when you're prepared for what God has in store for you, uh, that leaves you open to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will say something and it will kind of direct and lead in a different way. And about a month ago, actually, uh, what I had planned for today, God said, you're not going to do that. This is what I want you to say. So right now, I'm I'm trusting that this is God um, and not Jeff that's coming through. So I just want to go ahead and pray before I get into this. God... You're driving this boat. And so, right now, I'm submitting to your will and to your want. God, I don't want anything of Jeff Todd to come out. I want everything to be you and your word and your spirit. Because of the weight of what this message can mean, not only in our lives, not only in the lives of our church, but also in the lives of this community for the next. 5, 10, 15, 50 years, God. And I, and I believe this is you. And God, so I just ask your spirit to come on us. God, I pray that you prepare our hearts, open our ears to what it is that you have to say. We thank you so much, God, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is a very important day uh, for many of you, maybe you know this, uh, it's uh, that big game, I can't say the word because I have to do a copyright something if I say it. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Alright, so now, how many of you in here honestly had no clue what I'm talking about? Okay, or, or could care less, we'll just do that. How do you care? Okay, thank you, thank you for being honest. <laughs> Alright, how many of you watched that game just for the commercials? How many people? A few people, okay, just for commercials. All right. How many of you will watch that game just for the halftime show? All right, I'm just saying, that's crazy, all right? I I love you guys, but I like, really, just the halftime show? That's usually the worst part for me. How many of you, I want to find my people now. How many of you say, get rid of all that stuff, let's just play some football? All right, there we go. We got some people there, all right. No matter where you're at on that spectrum, we can all know this, and, and every single one of us understand, this is the cultural event of the year for our society. Whether you like it, whether you hate it, you cannot argue with the fact. That this is the cultural event of our society And I just look at that and I go I want that to be God's church Because the other 51 Sundays of the year We're here In the presence of the creator of the universe And and why is it that we don't come With the same enthusiasm and the same excitement Right? Mm -hmm. How cool would it be if we could charge 5.1 million dollars for a 30 second spot in church Right? Right? You think we would do some good for that? I'm just kidding It's a joke Relax It's not a message on tithing Okay? Calm down All Alright? But why is that? Why, why isn't God's church that exciting? And I love football. I'm a big football fan, so please don't hear that as a knock. But one of the things that we can know for certain is the Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers, they've worked 364 days this last year. They've played all those games for one goal, and that's to play this game. And they're going to be ready for that. And the reason why it's been effective is what we're going to talk about today is they have a game plan. They have a game plan that they're going to approach this game with and what they've done all season long. And what is your game plan for your life? As we move into Dream On, my prayer for you in this series is that you would ask that question. What is God's game plan for my life? Because it's going to look different. It's going to look different wherever you're at spiritually. It's going to look different wherever you're at life stages. But what is God's game plan for your life? And so today, I want to give you two keys to a winning game plan. We all want to win in life, we all want to win in our home, we all want to win in our job. I'm going to give you two keys to a winning game plan. Here's the first one, you want to write this in. How you think. How you think, and then number two is just as important, what systems you use. How you think and what systems you use. Let me help you with what I mean by that. I have a lot of people that have come to me and said, I have a financial problem, Pastor. Pastor, can the church help me financially? I have a financial problem. Can I help you with something? You don't have a financial problem. You have bad thinking about your finances, and now you have poor systems that have resulted in your financial situation. Does that make sense? And that's why we talk about Financial Peace University. It's going to change your thinking of how, the first time Elaine and I went through it, it completely changed my thinking on how I see my finances. I realized that I was thinking wrong. But it's not just enough to change our thinking then, because we can go to a class and we can get all these things, but if we don't actually live it out, right? If we don't change our systems, so Elaine and I developed a system with our finances that we still use to this day. So again, if you have financial problems, what is your thinking and what are your systems? Here's another one, in your marriage. If you're struggling in your marriage right now, what is your thinking about your marriage? How do you see your spouse? How do you see those interactions? That makes all the difference. But then what are the systems you use? The first question I ask everybody is, when was the last time you were out on a date together? Right? Because we used to do that all the time, right? When we are in the romantic stage and we're trying to woo them in, we'd go on dates, we'd spend time together. But now, we don't do that as much because your systems are bad. Your thinking and your systems will impact your marriage. What about your physical health? We've talked about that throughout this series, right? You don't have a physical health problem. You have bad thinking. How do you think about your body? How do you think about exercise? How do you think about eating healthy? And then what are the systems you do? For me, I have to put my exercise on my calendar. It's it's a schedule that I keep. It's an appointment that I keep with myself to keep myself physically healthy. Because I know my thinking is, I'll do it tomorrow. No big deal. I'll just push up. No, no, no. I have to have a system in place to make sure I'm taking care of myself physically. What is your thinking and what are your systems? In Ephesians chapter 4, and what we're going to unpack today is, what is the thinking when it comes to a church? And what are the systems we use in a church? So Ephesians 4, I'm in the 11th verse. Jesus himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Can I help with what he's saying there? The church people, right? Myself, those who are called by God to follow, all of us have been given this, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up Until we all reach And here's the goal Until we all reach unity in the faith And in the knowledge of the Son of God And become mature Attaining the whole measure And the fullness of Jesus Christ There's a lot in that So we're going to unpack it But while we're doing that I want to give you three types of thinking That we see in churches And you might notice that I put on there too Not just in churches Specifically in churches In the United States of America and I just want to clarify that because the global church right now is absolutely exploding. The international church is just growing by leaps and bounds. We are only seeing this problem with churches in the United States of America. And I want to unpack this for you. And while I do this, I want to let you know this information that I going to share with you, I don't make up. All right, It's not just my thinking or my ideas. There's a group called Exponential. If you're not familiar with that, it's an interdenominational group that believes that the local church is the hope of the world and that we should multiply God's church throughout the world. And they've done some extensive studies. Just to tell you how extensive it is, um, there's a gentleman who I actually had an interview with from Exponential. Think about us, little tiny in South Dakota, little tiny church plant. They sought me out <laughs> and asked me about the church. It's a pretty extensive church. I've been to those conferences before. It's absolutely amazing. So as I'm going through this with you, I know there's going to maybe be some pushback saying, ah, I don't know. I don't agree with that. Okay. Can I help you with that? Then you go do your own homework, because <laughs> I've done mine. And this is what we're seeing in the church in this country, and it needs to change. And that's why I feel so passionate about it. Here's the first type of church. It's declining and plateauing. Now, that's not in your notes. So just hold on for a second. 80%... I'm going to say that one more time. 80% of every church in the United States of America is either flatlined or dying. Okay? That should be enough right there to say, wait a minute. We, we need to think about that. But here's what this company, Exponential, has found. How do those declining and plateaued churches think. Remember, we talked about that, right? Our thinking and our systems. We're going to talk about our thinking first, so that's the most important. Because if our thinking is wrong, it doesn't matter what systems we develop, because we have wrong thinking. So this is what those churches think. The answer to every question, this is in your notes. When they have a question, when they say, okay, who's going to do hospital visits? Who's going who's to pray for people? Who's going to read from the Bible? They have one answer for all those questions, and you can write this in. The pastor. The pastor is the answer. The answer to every one of those questions is the pastor. Well, that's what the pastor does. Okay? And the most important person in that church is the member. And notice the spelling on that. The me at the front. That's the focus, right? Me. See, we want to make sure we keep the members happy so the members don't leave. We've got to protect our church. We've got to keep that going. Because we want to protect the members because the member is the most important person like if Aunt Matilda comes and she takes an art class, right? And she paints this picture of Jesus and Aunt Matilda's real excited about this picture of Jesus and she goes to the pastor and says, I want to hang this up in the church pastor and the pastor looks at it and we probably love Aunt Matilda but she maybe can't paint so good and this picture of Jesus looks more like a serial killer clown than like the savior of the world, right? And the pastor is thinking in his head, if I hang this picture up, all the kids are going to run out of my church screaming and crying, right? But because Aunt Matilda painted it, we'll hang it up on the wall. And, and that's funny, and that's a, that's a silly example, but guys, I've seen churches split over something far less than that, because the pastor is the most important person. I've got to keep the members happy. See, here's what I want to help you with. A lot of things in life are math, and I love numbers. God loves numbers, too. That's why there's a book in the Bible called Numbers, all right, just in case you know that. There's numbers. So I'm a math guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty, I think I'm a pretty okay leader. So I'll just say for myself, I'll just use me as an example. I can maybe, on a good day, visit, have really good conversations, a good meeting with about three people. Okay? So about three different times of my day, and I probably do that. I sit down with people. I walk with them. Many of you in this room I've sat down and had coffee with or talked to, right? About three a day. Okay? So let's do the math on that. Let's say there's 30 days in the month. Let's take out the Sundays. Let's say that's about 25 days, I meet with three people. 25 times three. Again, if you're not a math person, stay with me, all right? That's about 75 people a month. I could personally meet with about 75 people a month and have a a, a consistent relationship with it. You know what I find fascinating? You know what the size of the average church in America is? 75. You know why? Because the pastor is the answer to everything. And the most important person is the member. And if I don't get to meet with the pastor, what's that pastor doing? What am I paying him for? Aren't I paying his salary? Can't I come? You see the thinking? And, and, and let me help you something, don't just blame the people, because I think it's easy for pastors to stand up here and go, you guys are the problem, you guys are the problem, I want to help you something, I want to get a little personal, you guys okay if I get real with you, can you handle that? I've done this now for about two and a half years, and I like being the guy, I'll just be honest with you, it, it kind of strokes the ego a little bit, right, to be that guy, and I think a lot of pastors, if we're being honest, we really like that too. We, we like our kind of small little church where I'm the most important person because everybody's got to come to me for everything, right? If we're being honest, that's true. And, and the, the other danger about that, and we see it all the time, is guess who the enemy is then? Every other church in your community is now the enemy because you can't lose your people, right? Oh, what if they get mad at me and they go to XY church over there? What is XY church over there doing? Well, I can't do that. And and I've got to be defensive. And I can't have a relationship with those other pastors because I might find out that I'm not really that good. (laughs) And maybe they're better. You see what I'm saying? 80% of churches in this country, that's the problem that they're having. All right, that's the bad news. Now we're going to get better, okay? (laughs) Here's the second type of church that's in America it's called adding, an adding church, okay? 16% of all churches are adding, okay? Now, what does an adding church mean? I'll kind of unpack that for you. They're not plateauing. They're not declining. But they are adding more people. There's more people coming. We've, we've seen these churches a lot. But I'm going to give you the answer to what every question is. Those questions, again, who goes on hospital visits? Who prays with people? Who leads the life groups? Who are all those people? The answer in those churches is the staff. <laughs> The staff, see, see, the pastor. We know the pastor can't do everything, right? Pat, we, we want to get bigger than 75. He's one person. So we're going to add staff. We're going to pay people. We're going we're to hire a children's person, and they're going to do the children's ministry. We're going we're to hire a worship pastor, and they're going to do all the music. We're going to hire a discipleship pastor, and they're going to do all that. Because what's the most important person in an adding church? It's the attender. It's the attender. See, the answer is always the staff. We just need more staff. See, we just need more staff to deal with that. And the attender is the most important person because we want to keep them coming back, right? We don't want to fall into one of those declining or plateauing churches. We don't want to get there. We want to keep growing. So what is the danger of that a lot of times? More programs. More programs. More programs. If you want to know if a church is an adding church or not, look at their church calendar and see how many activities they have. Because we got to keep this group, happy, this group 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 happy. And can I help you with that? It's exhausting. That's why you need to pay people to do that, because that's what you need to have—the focus of that. Now, if you're doing the math on this, that's 96 percent. 80 percent of churches are plateauing or declining. 16 percent are what's called adding. That's 96 percent of churches in the United States of America have that type of thinking and have those results. They're not multiplying. They're adding more people, or they're declining. Pew Research, in October 2019, that's the most current study I could find, October of this last year did a study. 63% of people in the United States of America claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 63%. Church, that's down. Ten years ago, that was 75%. So in a decade, we have seen a 12% decrease, not even in committed followers of Jesus Christ. I'm talking people who stand up and say, I believe in Jesus Christ and I follow that. Like, I just go to church. It's got to change. We're, we're, we're losing the battle in this country. And can I help you with this? And again, I love you, but it's not going to be a political party that's going to be the answer to that question. It's, it's not going to be if we can get the right people elected. It's not going to be if we can just do The local church is the hope of the world. Amen. I will die on that hill. I have given my life over the last four years to that. And I will preach that until Jesus calls me home. If we want to see different results in this country, we need to change the way we think about church and what that looks like. And let's go back to Ephesians 4. I don't know, let's see what God's word, right, has to say about how we're supposed to do church. What is my job? Verse 12. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in Christ. This is a quote from a book called The Sandbox. And it says, The key to a winning game plan, according to Paul, so on this passage is releasing the whole body into ministry rather than hiring a certain few to do it. It's one of the greatest dysfunctions of the church today. We hire experts to do ministry rather than equip the body of Christ to carry it out. It's one of the reasons local churches have so little impact on their communities and why there's so little difference, check this, between how Christians and non-Christians live. I have conversations with people all the time. I just had three this last week where they directly said to me, church has no relevance in my life. And you know what? Can I help you with something? They were right. And it broke my heart to understand that's the view of church today because we don't see the difference. What's the difference? What's the point? Church, if we're going to change this country, we have to change our thinking. Now are you ready for the good news? I said it was coming, all right? I know it's kind of a bummer, And I know you're awful quiet, so either got you or you're bored, all right? So I'm going to give you the good news. Here it is. This is how we need to think. We need to think reproducing and multiplying. Churches do that are reproducing and multiplying themselves. Now, keeping with the theme, what's the answer to all those questions? Who visits people in the hospital? Who reads their Bible? Who leads life groups? The answer is the people. The people. Just what Paul says, equip the people to do the work of the ministry. You know what I love about Financial Peace University? I love so many things about it. I'm going to keep talking about it. But one of the greatest things I love about it is I do nothing with that. Amy and Jason Clare, who've been here, who've been on the stage here, I've shared this story before. I built a relationship with them. Out of a conversation, they said, hey, we want to lead a class. I said, great, you should go do that. We'll pay for it. We'll get it started. We'll find a place for you, and we can do it. And they're doing the work of the ministry. Does that make sense, church? And we have some amazing people at part of our church that said, hey, we need child care. Because that's going to be a barrier for people. When they want to come and families want to come, they need a place for the kids to go. And they don't want to pay for a daycare because they're having financial questions. Does that make sense? So we offer free daycare. Now, it's not free, right? We pay for that. Somebody pays for that. But what I love about it is our people step up and say, hey, we need to make that happen. The answer, what we need to think, we need to change our thinking about church. The answer is not the pastor." The answer is not more staff. The answer is you. So look at somebody and say, I am. I am. That was weak. Let's try that again. Look at somebody and say, I am. I am. You know I'll make you keep doing it, right? Who's the most important person at the church? I am. Ah. I tricked you. Good. I did that on purpose, by the way. You know, the guest. The guest is the most important person at a church. See the difference between an adding and reproducing church? Is that adding church has a lot of what I call church swappers, okay? Like, like some people pick a restaurant out, like, oh, I like the, you know, I like the food here, I like the atmosphere here, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, this week let's go eat some some food over here, or you know, I maybe like this one a little better. Maybe I'll go try this church out, and oh, this one didn't. I don't like this, I don't like that, so I'm going to go over here. And I love what Francis Chan says about that because I love Francis Chan, and he said, you know, how crazy it would be if back in the Old Testament, if the Israelites would have said, who's sacrificing the bull today? Who's doing that? I, I don't really like the way he sacrificed the bull. I'll just I'll go to a different church, right? Isn't that crazy? But that's how we think. That's the difference between an added church and a reproducing church. The most important person is the guest. So now we're gonna play that again. What's the answer? I am. What's the answer? I am. Who is gifted by God? I am. I got a whole bunch more church. We'll be here in a while. <laughs> 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 Who's called to serve? I am. Getting better. <laughs> The one that can pray for other people? I am. Who are the hands and feet of Jesus at your job? I am. At your home? I am. Who's going to unload the trailer next Sunday? I, I am. I tricked you. <laughs> See what I did there? We'll come back to that in a little bit. If you want a winning game plan, you need to think like us. So we need to change our thinking. Here's the second one. What systems do you use? Remember what I said? We have to change our thinking first. But it's not just enough to change your thinking. You also have to change your system. Systems are an organized method of how something gets done. I'm going to say that again. A system is an organized method of how to get something done. God loves systems. God created systems for our health and for our function. Think about the human body. We have a respiratory system. We have a circulatory we have a central nervous system. We have a reproductive I love that one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? We have systems in our body that are created. And how about this? If one of those systems, or even one part of those systems, is just a little bit off, does that affect the rest of the body? Absolutely it does. If one of those systems is not working the right way, it affects the whole body. And church, when your systems in a church aren't working right, It affects the whole body. You matter. You are valuable. Now, I have another question for you. How many of you, and you're in church, so don't lie. How many of you would say that McDonald's cheeseburger is the greatest cheeseburger you've ever eaten in your entire life? How many people? Okay, good. (laughs) Now, second follow-up question. How many of you have ever eaten a McDonald's cheeseburger? Raise your hand. Don't lie, church. Now, wait a minute, hold on. You just said it was not the best burger you've ever eaten, but yet you've all eaten one. Do you know why? Repetition Systems. McDonald's has an incredible system for making cheeseburgers that don't even have to taste that good. You know when you buy a McDonald's cheeseburger, it is going to taste just as terrible as the last McDonald's cheeseburger you ate, right? If you drive to Vermilion and go to McDonald's, you're going to have the same terrible cheeseburger there. Why? Systems. They have systems to create things, and God's church should be the same. This is one area where I get frustrated with God's church because I think the world is kicking our butt in systems and how to produce things. Look at McDonald's. I'll give you another example. Love them or hate them, either way, the New England Patriots football team, okay? Now, how many people can't stand the New England Patriots? A few? Okay, I'm there, I I can't stand them. Uh, Well, I tell you, if you're not familiar with football, Over the last 20 years, there's not been a better team in the NFL. And some may argue there hasn't been a better team in the NFL ever. Do you know why? All the superstars, all the high pick, no. Systems. They have a system. They have a patriot way how they do things. Now, you might argue, well, Tom Brady, if you're familiar with football, he's the big super strong Patriots, right? Tom Brady wasn't even drafted. He was like an afterthought in the draft. Not one person thought Tom Brady's gonna be a superstar. You know why Tom Brady is probably the greatest quarterback of all time? Because he committed himself to a system. And he said, I'm gonna trust in my coach. And I'm gonna be committed to that. And they take every single year, they take average or above average players and get the most out of them because of the system. This is a true story I heard too. There was a rookie center. Tom Brady's the quarterback, right? So he's the big cheese, big guy. A rookie center his first time, first practice with Tom Brady. He goes and snaps the ball, and of course he's nervous, right? This is Tom Brady, he's hiking the ball, Tom Brady. And because he was nervous, his hand slipped, and he fumbled the football. You know what the Patriot way is? If you fumble the football, the center and the quarterback have to do a lap around the field. You know what that guy said? Tom Brady, Mr. Superstar, Mr. Big Shot guy, guess what he did? He ran that lap with that guy. You know why? Because of the systems. And he knew that no one is greater than the other one. And I heard that, I went, why isn't that the church? Why why is it sometimes we elevate people to a certain level, but yet, at at the foot of the cross, it's level, isn't it? Why isn't it that that we can all do the same thing and share the love and and share the joy just in the same way? See, the world is kicking our butt at this, guys. It's it's amazing how much that is. And I'm going to say something. I love you guys. Please know that. I have a, a pastor in my life who I love dearly. He's, he's pastored for like 60 years. And he said, sometimes, Jeff, when you're preaching, you got to plow close to the corn. <laughs> now, if you're not familiar with that term, it's kind of a dated term. But basically what it means is sometimes you've got to get a little close, church. And so I, I just want to help you with something. I want to get a little close. I love you guys. But here's the thing. Sometimes, as a church, we spend more effort and energy on questioning the coach than running the play. Sometimes, as a church, we spend more effort and energy questioning the coach than running the play. I see it all the time in churches. Where it's like, is that really? Should, I don't know. You know, Think of how silly that would be if, if that, that rookie for the New England Patriots gets his schedule and, and Coach Bill Belichick, he's the coach of the, the Patriots, Bill Belichick says, okay, Tuesday morning we're going to do videos. Wednesday morning we have early morning practice. Thursday morning, da-da-da-da-da. What if that rookie would go? You know, Belichick. You know, I, 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 this is great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for thanks for drafting me. I'm great. But you know what? I don't really do game film, <laughs> so I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna be there for that one. How long would he be part of that team? Not, really long. not very long. And, and the key to a winning team is trusting the coach and understanding that the coach makes the plays to do that. And I see that sometimes. And, and that's why I'm saying when we develop systems, the systems aren't holy. Can I just say that? Like, at Celebrate Church, there's a certain way that we do things. And and I'm not going to stand up here and try to defend it and say, this is the only way to do it, and all the other churches are wrong. What I'm here to say is, this is what God's called me to do. And and I want you to be part of this team. And and I want to run the systems that that God has called us to do, because who's the most important person in this church? The guest, and will always will be. Let's just play this out for a second. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're invited to someone's house. Okay? And they say, hey, I want you to come over to my house for supper. You know, come around 5 o'clock. Well, it'll be great. We'll hang out. We'll eat supper. Great. Okay? So let's say you, you pull up in the driveway and the house is all dark. It doesn't look like anybody's home. It's 5 o'clock, so you go up to the door and knock. hear the dog bark, which you're kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird, whatever. So you go back to your car. You probably pull out your phone and maybe you're going to text them, hey, did I miss something? All of a sudden, they come pulling up in the driveway about five minutes late. They don't say a word to you. And they just walk in the house. You kind of look at them like, okay, that's kind of weird, whatever. So maybe you go in, maybe you don't. But you go in and they say, oh, I don't really have anything planned for supper tonight. So uh, you like pizza? I got frozen pizza. Should I throw some of those in there? Okay. It's kind of silly, right? Would you feel very valued? Would you feel very appreciated? Okay. Now, again, I love you. So I want you to understand this. The most important person in our church is who? And who is the answer to the question? I am, right? I'm the answer. So what can we do? So here's here's the thing. And, and again, this is my job. My job is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. My job is to give you the equip to do that. That's our thinking. We have to think that way. Every Sunday at 10 o'clock, we're inviting the entire community to come to our church. We're saying, welcome home. We're going to open our doors. We're going to be here. I, I, I debated about saying this, but I feel God's telling me to say it anyway. Um, there are... I'm gonna go ahead and announce some of the people that are gonna come join us for our Dream On series. Dr. Wayne Kindle, the superintendent of our Yankton School District, he will be here one of those Sundays. And I'm gonna do an interview with him, and I'm really excited about that. Amy Leone, who is our Yankton City Manager, basically the city mayor, um, she's gonna be here one of those Sundays, I'm gonna interview her. It's gonna be awesome. Jesse Bailey, who is the director of Pathways Homeless Shelter, um, he's gonna be here a Sunday. We're gonna talk about Pathways Homeless Shelter. Desiree Johnson and uh, her operations director, Stacy, from River City Domestic Violence Shelter, they're going to be here one Sunday. We're going to interview them. We're going to talk with them. We're going to get to know about their ministry a little bit. There's two other ones that I haven't confirmed yet, but I'm excited about. Why am I telling you all that? Because that's pretty cool. And, And I want you to know something, that every single one of those people, I didn't have to beg, plead, or borrow. I already had a relationship with every person I just named. I just shot him an email and said, here's what I'd like to do. Are you interested? And all four of those people were like, absolutely, I'll be here. <sighs> don't tell me that's not God. <laughs> well, what do I got to offer? I don't got anything to offer, right? That's exciting. But again, I want you to think about that mindset, all right? When Dr. Kindle walks in that door, maybe you might think, wow, that's pretty cool. I should probably go introduce myself. I might think, but I want to help you with something. <laughs> Dr. Kindle not any more important than any person who's here in this room right now. Every single person that ever walks through that door Is a son or a daughter of God Almighty And if we're going to be a church That follows God's word We're going to treat everybody that way And we're going to be glad that they're here We're going to step outside of ourselves And I understand, I'm an introvert too I don't like to meet new people It's hard for me, I get it So if you're there, please, I understand that But who can you meet? Is there someone you can Now I'm going I'm to explain to you So that's our thinking, right? We need to think all the time. The guess is the most important. I need to do that. What's our system? And I'm going to take that that idea of of what time we get here. Okay? I could go a lot of different directions with this, but I'm going to start with just that one thing. Now, I want you to answer a question out loud, and I'm setting you up, okay? So if you get it wrong, don't be offended. All right? We're family. I love you. We're just trying to walk through this together. What time does our Sunday gathering start? Ten. Okay. I heard ten. I heard eight-thirty. Everybody's nervous. They don't want to say. All right. So I'm going to walk you through this. This is the system. And you might want to write this down. If this, is, if this is new information, and it might be new information to some of you, I want you to write this down. Because this is our system that we've developed. Is our system holy? No. This is just what God's called us to do right now. Does that make sense? Okay. So here's our system. 10 o'clock is what time our Sunday gathering starts, right? But that's for Who? The guests, because who's the most important person? The guests. So every Sunday, we invite the entire community of Yankton, and we say, come here at 10 o'clock in the morning. Go back to my analogy. Should we show up at 10.05? Because what do we just say to our guests? You're not that important. Okay? Now, I'm going to back up, and we're going to unpack this a little bit more. The doors here at Minerva's open at 8.30. You might want to write that down. What time do doors open? 830. 8.30. 8.30. Now, Am I saying everybody should be here at 30 in the morning? No. Okay, please hear that. So right now, this is our system. We have a trailer that's got our stuff in it. We need three people and one production person. How many people? Three. Three, three people and one production person to unload the trailer. That'll take 15 minutes or less. So in 15 minutes, three people and one production person, all the stuff in our trailer is out and unloaded. Okay? Now, at 9 o'clock, what time? Nine. Nine. At 9 o'clock... Our music team and our kids' team show up because our music team needs to go over the songs again, right? Does that make sense? Because we want to see it. Now, I want to say something about the music team. Um, I love them, by the way. They're doing awesome, aren't they? Isn't it great? So, one of the systems that we've developed for our church, because we want to grow and we want to get better, is if you're not at music practice, you don't get to sing on Sunday. That's, that's one of the systems that we've developed what we say is, music practice is important, right? When we come up here on Sunday, we don't want to just be singing just willy-nilly. We want to sing it to God. We want to be prepared. Again, I don't wake up on Sunday morning and decide what I'm going to preach. So we should have our songs decided. So on Sunday morning, when they get here at 9, they're doing a vocal check. They're doing a sound check, right? They're rehearsing the songs, make sure the slides, everything are okay. Our kids team, and God bless our kids team. Can we give it up for our kids team, please? That's the next generation of our church. It's always going to be our most important ministry. And if you've served in kids before, you know you can't just walk in the door with those kids. You got to be ready, right? So they get here at nine, right? Nine thirty. Everybody say nine thirty. If you're part of Celebrate Family, that's when your church starts. If you're not helping with set up, if you're not on the music team, if you're not on the kids team, nine thirty is when your church starts. And again, if you didn't know that, don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. That's okay. You just didn't know. Because what 9.30 is, is I'm just calling it our huddle now. (laughs) You know how a football team, they huddle up, right? Before they go and play the game. That's our huddle. And what we do there is we share information. We share our vision statement. The most beautiful thing, which was not my idea when we started, and I want to claim it, but it's not. We take communion together. Every single Sunday. There's power in the church. If you were here this morning, wasn't there power when we took communion? I can sense the spirit. And then, at 9.30, after we're done with that, after we break our huddle, guess who the most important person is? Yeah. Yes. The guest. right? So then from 9.40 to 10 o'clock, what do I do? You talk to the guest, you get to know them. One of the things I absolutely love about this room is um, you don't have to have a lot of people in this room to make it feel like it's pretty full, you know? I like that about this room. One thing I hate about this room, if there's not very many people in here, it doesn't feel very full, make sense? Okay, so that's what, that's our system. So again, that's our thinking, And it's our system. That's a system that we've developed because our reach is always out to people. So, real quick now, I'm going to give you these four roles. Four roles that you can have as far as our team. What is my role on the team? First one is you can join the team. Join the team. Romans 12 says, Just for each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, Form one body, and each member's belong to all the others. I've heard it said about football: uh, football is seventy thousand people watching uh, twenty-two people badly in need of rest. <laughs> no, let me try that again. I will try that again. Football is seventy thousand people in badly need of exercise, watching twenty-two people in badly need of rest. There you go. that's a little better that way. Try it again. Okay. Why? Yeah. Why do we got to do it? Is we got to join the team. See. The average person, if they know six to eight people, they will stay connected and be part of the church. If you, can, if you know right now six to eight people in this church, statistically speaking, your chances of staying connected with this church go up exponentially. Isn't it interesting that life groups usually have six to eight people in there? Isn't that funny? If you're not in a life group, you should get joined. So our thinking is that we need to join our team, and our systems for that are life groups. Here's the second one. You need to contribute to the team. Going back to Ephesians 4.13. Until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. Every single one of us has God-given gifts and ability. Whether it's singing, whether it's with kids, whether it's welcoming people, all those different things. God has given you a gift that you can serve and you can contribute in that way. If you don't know what that gift is, Please write in your connection card, you wanna have a conversation. We wanna reach out to you, we wanna help you understand how you can give those gifts. Because every one of us has a gift that we need to give. That's what we have that playbook for. If you haven't seen that, it's on our website. And then down at the bottom, there's a little button that says playbook. Click on that, we have all kinds of different roles that you can help, and that you can help contribute to the team. But again, I don't just mean serving and giving that, we also talk about financially. And Pastor Lisa shared that earlier about contributing financially. And I wish, I wish you could crawl inside my heart. I wish you could understand where I come from from this. But I had something happen to me a couple weeks ago. And again, I feel this is God, so I'm, I'm taking a risk here in saying this. Um, but there was, um, many of you know I pastor a church in Lake Andy, South Dakota. And I go there every Sunday, and it's a beautiful, beautiful place to go. And this individual came up to me after one of our gathering times. And was like, like, did one of these, you know, come close. And I'm like, okay. And so they whisper something to me. And I'll take this to my grave, church. This individual said to me, Pastor, all I have is a $10 bill and I would really like to give to the offering. Could you make change so I could put in a dollar? And I went, instantly thought of the story of Jesus at the temple. If you don't know this story, Jesus was at the temple one day and all these people were coming by and they're putting all these great big amounts of money, all these great big amounts of money And they were like, oh, look at me. I'm giving all this great big amount of money to God. And then this poor little widow came over. And all she had was basically two pennies. And she very shamefully, very quietly put those two pennies in. But that was all she had. And Jesus grabbed her and he said, everybody look at her. Everybody look at her. Because she gave more than all the rest of you. Because she gave what she had. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget that moment. I don't know where you're at financially, and please hear this, I love you, but whatever you have, God wants to bless that. He does. And and, and contributing, giving it back to God, you're not giving it to me, you're not helping us out. It's a way of of returning to God all the blessings that he's given to us. And I think sometimes we get obsessed with numbers. And you know this, I don't know the amounts that you guys give, I don't. I know who gives, because I want to see who's in. I want to see who has that heart of giving. And that's why we should contribute to the church as well. Here's the third thing we need to do. We need to grow the team. Grow the team. Ephesians 4 says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people with their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of Him who is the head of of that which is Christ. There's a whole sermon in that mess in that verse right there. And then we'll come back and do that later because we could talk about that all the time. There's schemes, there's there's the devil's deceitful. But one of the things we want to do is we want to grow, not just numerically, but spiritually. That's why this prayer and fasting weekend is going to be so key for us as a church, is to grow in ourselves, in our relationship with God. And this series, dream on. If you know people in your world who don't have a church home, invite them to come. And again, I announce those people that are coming. I'm not going to tell you what weeks they're coming. Okay, I, it's, I'm not going to tell you who's going to be here when. All right? You just have to come because I want you to be here. And think about this church. If every person in this room, if every person in this room brought one person with them, this room would double in one Sunday. Think of what that would look like. We have a contract with Minerva that said we can open up that wall and we can expand in here. We can get up to 125 people in this space. I believe God wants to do that by Easter. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that. That's two and a half months away. I believe God wants to do that by Easter in this church, but it's going to change our thinking and it's going to take our systems of doing that. Here's the last one. We need to grow the team. We need to contribute to the team. We need to join the team but the last one is we need to pray for our team. Verse 16. From Jesus the whole body joined and held together every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its own work. We asked for a commitment at the beginning of this series for 200 people to pray every day for this church. One of the blessings in my heart of this last month is hearing from so many different people saying pastor for the first time I've been praying every day. I love that church, because it's not about me, it's not about celebrate church, it's not even about you, it's about Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives, and every day we have the privilege of having access to the God of the universe who loves us, who adores us, who loves everything about us, and the reason why I think we don't pray is because we don't know who our Jesus is, go back and listen to last week. If you understood who your Jesus was and how much he loves you, you wouldn't be able to get enough of it. You wouldn't believe those lies. See, we a lot of times like to believe the lies in our head that I'm not worth it, I'm not good enough. And those are just lies from the enemy. And we need to have fellowship, relationship with other people and pray together with them. And guys, if if we do this, and I know I, I just feel so passionately about this, This community, this church Will never be the same If we change our thinking And we change our systems Let's pray God, this is the part where I usually Surrender to you (laughs) Um, Because again, I think what you had to say today Was so important And if there was any Jeff Todd that came out I pray that we would strike it from the memories And they would only remember What it is that you shared Jesus, I love this country. I'm so grateful for the men and women who fought and died to give us the freedoms that we have. But Jesus Christ, on behalf of the entire church in this country, I come before you and I confess our sins to you. We have taken that privilege for granted. We've taken that privilege as a license to do what we want, when we want to do. And Jesus, we need your forgiveness for that. You didn't come to earth to die on a cross for my comfort. You came to make a way for all of your children to have a relationship with you, to be free from the bondage of our sins and our shame. How dare we judge other people when we got a log in our own eye? Jesus, how dare we speak ill of your bride? You said that the church is your bride, Jesus. Forgive us when we speak ill about the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, I pray, just as Paul shared in here, that we would be one. That we would be built up in the unity of the body, Lord. And that our community would see that and recognize that. And there would be a difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. And it would look so attractive and so appealing that there's no way, there's no building in Yankton big enough to hold the amount of people that would come. And instead of celebrating a football game, Jesus, we would join together in celebration of you, God. What would it look like if Crown Young Stadium was full of people that just loved you and just wanted to worship you? How cool would that be? And Jesus, I believe that can happen in this generation and in this time. But it's not going to happen until we get our thinking straight and until we get those systems in place to make every person feel like they're the most valuable player. We thank you and we praise you and ask for all these things. In the match's name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you live in the Yankton area and don't have a church home, we'd love for you to join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Minerva's Convention Center. You can also check us out online at yankton.church and Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Celebrate Yankton.